Most Heavenly Father, we come to you today in need of a word. We come to you today with open ears and open hearts to hear what you have to say. I pray that you might speak through these unclean lips and that each heart might be open to the truth that you have for us today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. Well, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jared Willett. I am a deacon uh, at Christ the King Anglican Church in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm currently a Beeson student, Beeson uh, Divinity School in Birmingham. I'm in my third year, so I'm you know, getting a little bit of senioritis, but I'm trying not to, you know, I'm trying, trying to keep it going. But I'm enjoying it there, and I'm enjoying the opportunity to be here at All Saints. I am looking out, and I'm enjoying just uh, the people that I've met so far and the people that I look forward to meeting uh, in the future. Well, our gospel passage, perhaps, has one of the most comforting, powerful, and just sweet statements in all of Scripture. I know it's hard to pick one, but behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the witness of John the Baptist. It's almost as if John the Baptist was sent by God to say this one sentence, to proclaim that there is someone else who is coming after him, whose sandal he is not worthy to untie. And that man is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, central to our faith is that we look to another. We look to another for our salvation. We do not look deep within for our salvation, trying to wring it out of ourselves or to try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Rather, we look to another. Peter and John in the book of Acts, are brought before the high priest and all of his crew. And they say this. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven but that of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, just as Peter and John, they point to another. There is no other name under heaven by which we might be saved. And to this fact, John the Baptist bears witness. We read in 1 John that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. See, John bears witness to another, as do we. John the Baptist is a Christian, as we are, and he points the way of salvation. He points to another. And in this statement that John bears witness to Christ, he both points to who he is, his name, 
and what he has done, his work. For with Christ, you cannot separate the two. Even in his name, Jesus, we see that he is the one who has come to save his people. For Jesus means that God saves. You can't have Jesus without his work. And you can't have the work of salvation without Jesus. And to this fact is the witness of John the Baptist. So let's focus a little bit on the name, the Lamb of God. When we hear the word lamb, I'm sure that many images uh, pop into your mind from the Old and New Testaments. There's many references to lambs in Scripture. You may think of Abraham ascending up Mount Moriah with his son Isaac with wood on his back. And Isaac says, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where is the lamb? And Abraham proclaims, God himself will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. And you may think with our Old Testament reading of the Passover lamb, the lamb which God commanded the Israelites to slaughter and to take its blood and put it on the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over them. You may think of the hundreds and thousands of lambs over the years that were killed for the sins of Israel by the Levitical priests, the morning and evening sacrifice, which the temple revolved around. Or you may even think of the suffering servant who was promised by Isaiah, who Isaiah looks forward to, who is like a sheep led to the slaughter and By his wounds, we are healed. So all these images of lambs feed in to this statement by John the Baptist that Jesus Christ is the lamb of God. For there is no other name. There is no other lamb that can compare to the son of God himself. And so we think about this name, the Lamb of God. All these lambs of the Old Testament point to and find their fulfillment in Christ's sacrificial death. For Christians are cruciform people. And even here in the first chapter of John, we are already confronted with the cross, with the entire reason that Jesus came. He came to save us from our sins with his own precious blood. The preface for Easter in our Book of Common Prayer says this, that Christ was offered for us and has taken away the sin of the world, who by his death has destroyed death and by his rising to life again has restored to us everlasting life. See, Christ is our Passover lamb by whose blood death passes over to us. And not only that, but we are raised to everlasting life in his name. And it's by his sacrifice that we have the forgiveness of sins. And so we turn to the work. We turn to the second half of John's statement, to John's witness. This lamb of God 
takes away the sin of the world. In Galatians 1, 3 through 4, uh, Paul greets the Galatians by saying this, a very common greeting, but we leave out the last part. Listen closely. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our God and father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul does not separate the name of Christ from his work. He is the one who saves us from our sin. And later in, you know, later in his life, when he's writing to Timothy, Paul says this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was the purpose in which he came to save us from our sin, to save his people from their sin. Even the name Jesus reminds us of this. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, that Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. See, Jesus didn't come as a Levitical priest to continue the lamb sacrifices forever. But he came as himself a lamb and our great high priest who is himself the sacrifice once for all sacrificed upon the cross. And Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He is the atonement for our sins, John says in first John two, but not for our sins only also for the sins of the whole world. So there is no one. Who Jesus did not come to save. Jesus did not come only to save Israel, but as an epiphany, we celebrate he came to save the Gentiles. Also, he came so that he might bring in the nations into his family. And that is done through his blood. He is the light that shines in the darkness. And this light is the life of men. And by his life, by his death, We are brought into his family. We are saved from our sins and brought in as God's children. Romans 5, 8 is one of my favorite passages. And he says, Paul says this, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for. For us. I love that first person plural. Paul, along with everyone he was writing to and everyone in this room, is in the group that Jesus died for. Christ died for you and for I. For us. And God didn't wait to send his son when we were ready for him. He didn't wait for us to get holy enough so that he might send his son to be among us. No, while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we are justified before God by Christ's blood alone. We are saved by no other name than Christ, our Passover lamb. 
And we're saved from the wrath of God. The wrath of God comes upon all sinners. But through Christ, we are brought in. We are given his righteousness and we are made children of God. We are raised to eternal life. We are saved from something. We talk about salvation lots of times, but a lot of times we forget what we're saved from. We are saved from our sins and the punishment that we all deserve. And we're saved to the righteousness of God, the relationship that we were all made to be in, which we lost in Eden through our grandparents, great, great grandparents. Luther says this about sin. I think it's really helpful. He says that you must believe that Christ was given not for sham or counterfeit sins. Nor yet for small sins, but for great and huge sins. Not for one or two sins, but for all sins. And not for sins that have been overcome, but for invincible sins. And unless you are a part of the company who says our sins is in Galatians 1, 4, there is no salvation for you. For it's until we reckon with the fact that we cannot save ourselves, we cannot be saved. We cannot be saved from something we don't think we need saving from. We can't call out for help unless we know we're in trouble. And unless you're among the number, as Luther says, that realizes your sins are invincible. There are many. They're bigger than you realize. There is no salvation for you. Often, I I think we try to justify ourselves. Well, I'm not such a great sinner. That guy over there is a little worse than I am. Right. I've only sinned a few times in my life. There's lots of people in church history that think they just stopped sinning. Right. (laughs) No, we our sin is so deep, so powerful that Christ himself, the son of God, had to die for us. That is no small thing. See, we look to another. We look in faith to the only name under heaven which can save us. And when we try to justify ourselves before God, to bring our works or holiness or anything in that category before God, to try to justify ourselves before God, it either ends in two things. It either ends in pride. We come before God saying, Look at what I've done. Or we come in despair, saying, look at what I've done. See, those two uh, sayings, those two ways of trying to justify ourselves are totally wrong. Because Paul proclaims to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for real people. And I think often about the Revelation chapter 5 in which John, the same author of our gospel, is caught up into heaven. And he's caught up and he's caught up in all the, uh, the, the worship and the scrolls and lots of different imagery, lots of dragons and uh, mythical sounding things. But he's before the throne. And the elders come to him and ask a question. 
They say, who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the scrolls? And John says this. He says, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly. See, once we realize there is none worthy, there is none worthy to bring themselves before God, to justify themselves before God, we weep. (laughs) Who is worthy to open the scroll? And the elder comes and he comes to John and says, weep no more. For behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is worthy. And John looks and he beholds. And what does he see? He sees a lamb. He sees a lamb in the midst of the throne as though he is slain. And the only response in which all creatures in heaven and under heaven can do is worship. What do they say? Worthy are you who t- to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on earth. See, when we realize that we point to another, that we behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, it can only end in worship. It can only end in extolling this only name under heaven by which we can be saved. That's the only appropriate response that we can have is to worship the Lamb. And I cannot help but think about an old hymn that I grew up singing, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me White as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it's until we can sing this truthfully. It's until we can actually reckon with our sin, that we can actually reckon with what Christ came to do, that we can truly worship Him for who He is. For there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And this is the job of the church. The job of the church is the same job of John the Baptist. It's to bear witness to the Lamb. And so I challenge you today that there may be some here that have been trying to justify themselves before God. There may be some here that think that, well, I haven't done something bad enough for Jesus to die. I, you know, have done a few little things. But until you realize that you need Jesus. <laughs> you need salvation through the only name under heaven by which we might be saved. I invite you. I invite you to make him your Lord and Savior. To accept the gift through faith that he has done for you. That he has paid the price that you could never pay. And I expect many of you have accepted that. You, have, you follow Christ. You follow as a disciple the Lamb who has been slain. And I challenge you to bear witness. That's our job. Our job is to point to another. 
There are many people in our lives and the world around us that need this message. And just like John the Baptist, I pray and hope that we all bear witness to the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. That that might be our battle cry. That we might behold Him. That we might fix our gaze upon Him. And that through that, other people might be drawn to fix their gaze upon Him as well. Let's pray. Most Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank You for the free gift of salvation that we have through Your blood. And I pray that through this salvation You might send us out to do the work You have given us to do. That we might be sent out as lights reflecting Your light. That we might be reflectors of Your life so that others might see and want it. I pray all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.